What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Shevsky, and we are going to do another screen share presentation type of episode today. Um, because you know what? It's been going really well, and I like the interaction. Uh, I've been getting a lot of people reaching out, asking specific questions, and it kind of goes back to my bread and butter of you know, educating. Um, so what we're going to actually talk about today is the pelvic floor because I find that, you know, as a coach, probably 98% of all my clients are female. So when it comes to pelvic floor health, it is quite, quite important. And, you know, statistically now, um, women dealing with pelvic floor issues is as common as low back pain, which is one out of three people, which is huge, huge. But the other interesting thing is that when it comes to pelvic floor issues, there is such a small, small percentage of women that actually seek help, which is kind of crazy, but I think it's the education piece to it. So most of the time when I start with any um, woman in the training realm, I always ask them, have you ever seen a pelvic floor physio? Usually that is the uh, precursor to pelvic floor health and all those fun things. Most of the time, every time I ask that question, they're like, what is that? And that opens up the whole conversation and that whole education piece plays a huge role. So I'm very fortunate enough that, you know, in the area that I live in, um, there is a very, I would almost say like world renowned pelvic floor physio named Diane Lee, who is honestly, you know, I think beyond her time when it comes to women's health and she has quite the uh, impressive clinic just down the street where I am and has a whole whole amazing team of pelvic floor physios and just physios in general that have a lot of experience helping women with pelvic floor issues. So before we kind of get into all this, you also have to understand that I'm not certified in like pelvic floor health. There are um, certifications like that for trainers, but they're not necessarily um, providing you with tools to fix pelvic floor stuff because all of that starts with a pelvic floor physio and um, it ends with trainers being able to grasp that information, that um, approach to training to ensure that all the work that the physio is doing is going to continue in the right direction. So a lot of those certifications are based on um, how to train someone dealing with something like incontinence, which we'll get into a little later. So most trainers have no idea when it comes to pelvic floor. Again, I've been very fortunate enough to have been working with pelvic floor physios for like, I don't know, eight or nine years. And it is such an interesting topic and more coaches need to learn about it in order to help their clients. Because guaranteed, if you are a dude or even a female trainer 
and every single female that you have has had some sort of pelvic floor issue, hands down. Um, so to kind of get started, if you are listening and you are female, 100% go see a pelvic floor physio because even if you didn't have children, you could still have uh, pelvic floor dysfunction, as they call it. And it can also be um, dealt because of being really at, uh, like athletic. Like if you chat with female CrossFitters, huge issue. And I remember there was a study where they took, I think, just over 200 uh, elite athletes ranging from like CrossFit to rowing to ballet, but they were like really high level uh, either professional or just right about to be professional. And out of the 200, 151 reported having some sort of like um, pelvic floor dysfunction, like incontinence and only 10 seek that help. And only like five ended up seeing a pelvic floor physio. So there is a huge, huge missing piece. And I'm going to relate all of this um, a little further down as we go through. So right now, highly recommend go see a pelvic floor uh, physio, which is going to help a lot. Um, so let us screen share and get this thing going. All right. I don't know why it does that always. And a couple other things I wanted to see, but I'm going to get myself a little bit bigger. Um, I want to have my YouTube channel ready to go. And this is what I want to look at. I think this is the thing. Yeah. All right. This photo, super, super important. This is all of your pelvic floor muscles. As you can see, this, these are our hips. And within here are all of our pelvic floor muscles. As you can see, um, the way to kind of describe your pelvic floor is kind of like a hammock. So it's not like super tense. It's not super loose. It's kind of literally a hammock. It has some tension, but it has a lot of fluidity and motion to it in order to do its job. Right. Um, when these pelvic floor muscles become too tight or too loose, that's when we get issues. And it all stems from, you know, if you're a, what's it called, a high-end athlete that requires a lot of, you know, core stabilization at high velocities and high power outputs. If you had children, um, any kind of trauma, things like that. Um, you know, if you've had you know, twins and, you know, they place a lot of pressure on the pelvic floor and, you know, rather than having one child in there, you're carrying two and those pelvic floor muscles become very, 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 um, I want to say tight, but just like overused. And then when it comes to, um, you know, the... This rehab stage of getting back to where you were before you're kind of missing out a little bit, but I want to show another photo that I was very pleased to see. 
So this is a better representation of what I wanted to show. Again, a little bit blurry, but now you can see how the pelvic floor sits um, in relation to the rest of our body. Because like that other one, it just gives you the pelvis a little bit, and you're just like, you have to imagine everything else, right? So look at that pelvic floor, um, all the pelvic floor muscles that are kind of like the hammock going back and forth. And now look at like these deep hip um, muscles, like primarily like preformis and all the ones that attach to the hip and go deep into the pelvis and overlap or connect to the um, pelvic floor muscles. I would make the argument, and I think most people would agree, that if you had a weak pelvic floor or a dysfunctional pelvic floor, it would probably have some sort of influence on the surrounding musculature in the hip. So this is where I think, and I think most physios would agree, um, when it comes to like SI joint pain, probably pelvic floor health plays a huge role. Low back pain, pelvic floor health comes into play. And even like going up into like lumbar spine, because we just said um, low back pain, look at how much stuff covers the lumbar spine going into our pelvis. Like all of this stuff is also covered by a lot of fascia, which is also going to connect to that lumbar spine, which would have a huge influence. Because a lot of times when people have low back pain, it's because they can't stabilize. They don't have the endurance to stabilize. And most of the time, pelvic floor dysfunction is due to being overworked, and it doesn't know how to stabilize anymore because it was constantly like, clenched. So an example of that is um, – actually, before we get into that, where are we? Uh, this guy. So what I wanted to get at, let me put myself in the middle, is imagine a woman going through labor, and it's like 20 hours, very long time. I would argue, again, that that would play a huge role on how those pelvic floor muscles are going to react and you know, act in general when it comes to any kind of stabilization. Right? They're overworked, they're overclenched. So you doing nonstop Kegels over and over and over again, it's probably not going to help. In that case, you would have to actually learn how to relax those muscle, muscles to relieve that tension and then reintroduce how to create tension, being able to turn it on and off, on and off. And the reason why I'm bringing this all up is because one of the biggest things is for women in general is something called incontinence where you actually leak when you exercise those things happen when you have to do high um, stabilization exercises like pull-ups heavy deadlifts double unders if you're in crossfit like anything that requires a lot of stabilization you know you try to create core stability just your pelvic floor doesn't have um that capability yet and then you leak like it's a pretty pretty common thing 
that a lot of women don't want to bring up and there are ways to fix it. And I'm not going to give you like, here's the three exercises that are going to fix your pelvic floor. It's kind of hard to do that because I don't know what you're actually dealing with. That's why um, if you go to a pelvic floor physio, they'll be able to diagnose and then give recommendations of what you should do. Every case is a little bit different, but what I wanted to show in this photo is how the pelvic floor is influenced by everything else. So if you see, again, our little hammock and look at our transverse abdominis, our diaphragm, and multifidus, all of these things have a huge role with each other. They're like brothers and sisters. Like, they're the siblings of the family. They're like the ones that play huge roles in a family dynamic. So imagine if, you know, one kid like our pelvic floor is not contributing to the household. All those brothers and sisters have to make up for the work and they're going to be pissed, right? Because they don't want extra work. So if you look at this, when I kind of teach uh, core stability, just in general, it doesn't have to be um, pelvic floor related. The kind of sequence that has to happen is like, in order for the diaphragm to work, the T, uh, the transverse abdominis has to work. In order for the transverse abdominis to ha- uh, being able to work, the pelvic floor has to work. In order for pelvic floor to work, multifidus has to work. And then it's both ways. It's a huge cylinder going back and forth. But if all these four things are able to work together at a high output, then one incontinence will not happen. Low back pain would not happen. Being able to lift heavy is going to be easier. And overall, you're building kind of like an armor to your body, right? So a lot of people don't think about pelvic floor when it comes to core stability, and they kind of often forget how to do it. And I think that kind of the key to being able to activate and get that pelvic floor um, going is utilizing that diaphragm because most of the time, People have an overactive, they're super tight uh, with the pelvic floor, and they can't relax it. Um, I want to show, because a lot of times people think the pelvic floor is just for um, women, but guys also have a pelvic floor too. I think it's this one. So let's get this guy going. Guys have pelvic floor as well. And here's the big thing. Um, one of the best powerlifters out there, um, really hope I don't butcher his name. I think it's Chris Duffin, Chris Duffin. Yeah. I have Adam on my show and he has a gym out in Oregon called Kabuki strength. And I remember chatting with him one time and he actually learned a lot from Diane Lee on pelvic floor health. And he, um, told me that all the stuff that he learned from Diane Lee, like literally changed his whole outlook on how to create tension and stiffness um, within his core in order to lift super heavy. Usually men who don't have a functioning pelvic floor end up getting a lot of groin strange and uh, groin strains and uh, hernias. So something to kind of think of, like if you are a dude that tends to have those two things, it might be pelvic floor. It might not just be like, oh, I just have a weak core and I need to like 
get my shit together and do more planks, like planks might be making things worse. There's other things. So where am I going with this? One, everyone should go see a pelvic floor physio. Two, you need to know what exercises you should and should not be doing. And three, things like inconstance is so common. This is kind of that missing piece that we need to have to finally see progress. So when I see um, with clients of mine that are female, maybe a brand new mom, they all usually have like the two main culprits of SI joint dysfunction, hip pain, and low back pain. So I want to teach them like just basic core stability. And where do I start with that? Very similar to the low back pain stuff, but we start with breathing. So we're going to hit up my YouTube page here. And I want to show you. Uh, what do I want to show you? What do I want to show you? This guy. Two-handed belly breathing. Old video of me, but it's good. It's full. Okay. So, if you look at where my hands are placed, I kind of have one on my external oblique and kind of lower abdomen to kind of see if I can create uh, intra-abdominal pressure at a lower base. So I've spoken about, um, you know, belly breathing, get fat, expand your diaphragm, which is important, but a lot of people kind of miss sometimes not being able to expand in that kind of lower region of your abdomen where it's closer to your um, pelvic floor. So sometimes I've seen where people can actually expand their diaphragm, but because we've been working so much on diaphragm, 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 they actually, like, I don't know even how this happens, but people kind of re-contribute all their thought and effort into just a diaphragm, but nothing below it. And it's kind of this strange thing. So here I have my hands set up in those two different positions, and when I expand my breath, that's a good um, angle, actually. Who would have thought that filming was such a good idea? Um, you saw my hand here expand, lower abdomen, abdomen, can't speak, and then my chest lifted. So let's see if I do it again. External, yep, and then chest rises at the end. So that is a sequence that, I start with every single new mom, um, someone who I already know is tr like struggling with their um, pelvic floor, creating tension. But earlier I said sometimes tension is a bad thing. But if you look at the anatomy of the pelvic floor, there are a set of muscles just like every other muscle out there. Yes, we want to learn how to create tension, but you also want to learn how to relax. So being able to contract, relax, contract, relax is going to help 
rebuild that function of the pelvic floor. Because a lot of times people are constantly doing Kegels and they're constantly like tightening things up, but it's equivalent to you doing like a bicep curl and always staying flexed in that bicep curl the entire time. Like that's not going to help your bicep function any better, right? So breathing is kind of my go-to because it, one, teaches the body how to relax and then contract, how to relax and then contract if you do it right. As we build upon that, where is my... I also like utilizing exercises like this one. We'll go full screen as well. To give an external load. So this is just a sandbag where I use that as my kind of feedback tool. And I'm also throwing a postural like wall slide in there. Like why not? Just let's throw it in there, right? Nice deep breaths. And... I find that putting something like a sandbag, a plate, or something will help in the long run because a lot of times when you, you know, try to get someone to breathe and they're like, okay, and they just breathe through here constantly. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, through your diaphragm. Like, put your hand on there, like, just in the other video. And they're like, okay. And they still do this. And you're like, what the hell? And I'm like, okay, like, really push in there. And they're like, okay. And they keep doing this. Having a weight on there gives you feedback to a point where I'll, I'll just tell the person, like, I want you to push the sandbag up towards the ceiling. And that's going to help quite a bit. As we learn how to um, utilize that breath properly, now we're going to have to challenge it. So things like the bird dog. And I will say right now, I'm pretty sure I'm the one who invented this variation of the bird dog. So my whole thing with, come on, full screen. Um, and this is like sped up with bird dogs is that a lot of people end up doing them wrong. So coming up and I think I've already spoken about this, but whatever. Um, coming with a, coming up with an idea of learning how to create tension where people feel it right away and then learning how to relax it helps tremendously, not only for pelvic floor, but like literally everything when it comes to exercise. So in this bird dog, I'm trying to drive my hand and leg up towards the ceiling. So I'm trying to get as much external rotation, which everyone sucks at, and also hip abduction to get all those external rotators uh, fired up, which also people suck at. So in this position, we're holding for like about five seconds, and I'm like, try to get as much as possible, as much range as possible, so you feel it right away. And then you, as you come down, you relax, and it gives your body that chance to like learn, like, oh, that's how it's supposed to feel. That's how I'm supposed to contract and relax. Then let's challenge that even more. Okay, this will be a good one. I haven't done this in so long, hence why this video is so old. So this is a destabilized bird dog. So I put the ball up there to make sure that I'm not cheating. But if you notice, my other foot is not in contact with the ground, which makes this very, very challenging where I need to be able to contract and relax as well, but at a higher um, output. And 
I'll replay this again. I find that this works very, very, very well um, in certain settings, but most of the time I'm not going to start with anyone here. I'll get them really um, comfortable in that you know, isometric bird dog that I just showed and then challenge, challenge them with something like this. Now, what else do I got here in our bird dog? Actually, another one that I like to use is the dead bug. So let's just go with this pullover one. Going on the whole contract relax concept, I like crushing the block, extending, holding for a second, and then relaxing here, right? And you can even see that my fingers kind of let go. Again, contract, relax, contract, relax. And we're building the build, like the foundation already, right? So we started with all the breathing stuff. Everything's good. Everyone's happy. And now we are creating tension with the block and relaxing in our dead bug position. Now, where do we go from there? I will tell you in our next video. Bear crawl. There you go. I'm actually going to play this one. So crawling in general is such a great way to challenge not only coordination, but stability. So in this um, crawling video, I'm actually on the ground. I always start on the ground because a lot of times people have no idea how to stabilize this motion and do it effectively enough to a point where um, their hips are not so high up in the air and things like that. But again, you'll notice opposite arm, opposite leg because we're creatures that walk that way. So why not crawl that way? That's how we develop. Um, when we get to the two points of contact, similar to the bird dog, we are learning how to stabilize, contract, relax, contract, relax. And then I will challenge my clients eventually. I'm not just doing crawling and dead bugs and bird dog for people. Like I'm actually going to challenge them a little bit more where I want to add that instability where, you know, maybe I'll start with these shoulder taps, right? In the sprawl position, just a little shoulder tap, contract, relax, contract, relax. And then as people get stronger, like let's start adding some reaches. Right? Nice and simple. Right? It all really depends on how you start. So you might be looking at this and go, you know what? As much as that's cool, like, I have low back pain, SI joint pain, and I've been seeing a pelvic floor physio forever, and, like, any exercise always, like, flares me up, which is fair. It happens. But a lot of times these people that tell me this is that they were doing it on their own for so long, and then out of nowhere, they decide to go to a boot camp or train on their own, and they end up, you know, regressing quite quickly. Like if you're someone with pelvic floor dysfunction, low back pain, SI joint pain, like things like that, like you need a professional to ensure that you're doing the right stuff. That's what like 
rebuilding a foundation really is, is that um, you need to be able to find what you're um, supposed to do and do those things, right? That's why I got, oh, I want to go on a tangent here. This is why people need to get a thorough assessment done by a trainer. If your trainer does not do an assessment, like run the other fucking way because you're going to fuck your shit up. Like that, there's no beating around the bush with that one. Like that's, I've seen it a million times. Having that thorough assessment rules out like this hurts when you do this, this hurts when you do this. We're not going to do those do two things when we train. Instead, we're going to do these five different things that in the assessment allows you to do that. So let's get really good at that. And you'd be surprised that small little switch up, that small little thing goes a long way. And this is how I train people. And I've seen so much progression. Like I've never had someone always injured, never had someone like stop training because something was hurting. Like we always figured our way out. And that's why it also is important for you to, you know, team up with um, medical professionals like chiropractors, physios, pelvic floor physios, RMTs, people who know their shit and refer out when you literally don't have the um, capacity to do so. Um, I think I'm going to end it there because I can like keep talking about this topic, but if you have any questions, like feel free to reach out, like anything pelvic floor health related, like I know quite a, quite a bit. And I know when to be like, you know what, that question, you should go see a pelvic floor physio. And you know what, I've been in the industry for a long, long time, and I can easily find you a pelvic floor physio in your area. Um, they tend to all hang out together and know each other. So it's very easy to find one, at least for me. Um, I'm going to leave it there. Um, let me just bring myself in the middle here so you can see my lovely face. Before we go, my book is coming along. Um, it's just a lot of filming and a lot of editing. So I apologize if I've been late. I know I wanted to, you know, release it this summer. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, I'm really hoping that I can release it in the fall because I want to do it right. I want to have an awesome looking website, an awesome in-print um, book a awesome, beautiful ebook for all of you guys. So if it comes out late, I apologize, but it's really shaping up. Like I've been editing photos for it, uh, for all the exercise demos. And, you know, I have three tutorial videos left that I need to film. And it's just, it's going to be like a work of art. Like you guys, you have no idea. Like it's going to blow your mind over a hundred thousand words like there's a lot of content it's a beefy beefy book and thank you guys so much for listening again subscribe to my youtube channel like you guys have been listening which is great we're almost at 400 like just show notes or whenever it pops up on my youtube that you're watching this to hit subscribe so then you get notified anytime i add new videos um my like YouTube page has grown so much. Like the tutorial section has over 300 tutorials on exercises. So it's a great resource. Um, share this podcast with your friends and family. I want to grow this thing. Like I'm almost at 
um, 500 episodes. Like that's huge, like huge. I'm almost at um, half a million listens too. Like that's blows my mind. And there's people all over the world listening to my show. So that's amazing. And you know what? That's it for me, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to stop the screen share. And until next time, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. That's it for me. 